Do you have a story that can inspire others? Do you know someone who does? Do you have a life journey that others can relate to? Maybe you've conquered a personal, professional, or physical obstacle. No story is too big or too small. Others want to be inspired by you. The Taryn Lamp Show. Each episode, we will talk to everyday people just like you with amazing stories. Everyone has a story to share. This show is about positivity and love. Listen and learn from these individual journeys. I am your host, Taryn Lamp, and this is The Taryn Lamp Show. p.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesday. This is the Taryn Lamp Show, episode number 60. Thank you so much for all your support. Make sure you are liking, following, sharing. We are now on Instagram Live, of course, every Tuesday. The show will be put on my IGTV. It's going to be put on my YouTube channel, so make sure you're subscribing to my YouTube channel and my podcast. So podcast on Apple Podcast, and make sure you are liking, following, and sharing the show. And myself, I would love to have you here on the show. Make sure if you have a story, and we know you do, that you get in contact with me. I would love to have you here on the show. If you know someone who has a story, I would love to have them on the show. Make sure you get in contact with me. Thank you so much for the support of the show, the Taryn Lamp Show, and I am going to get my guest on right here. Again, make sure you're following the show, following me, and uh, liking and sharing these episodes, and I'd love to have you on the show, so DM me if you're interested in coming on, or DM me if you know someone who should be on. All righty, let me see. Let me see. You're going to love my guest hey i'm good thanks how are you i can can you hear me yes can you hear me or no yes yeah well Mm -hmm. you look so beautiful i haven't seen you you are so sweet How are you doing, my friend? I know. It's been a long, rocky road. I'm good. I'm well. Thank you. How are you doing? Good. Good. I, I, I just realized how hot it is in my kitchen, so I'm, I feel like I'm going to need It's hot here, too. I just realized it, too. I just got a little schmetzy. I got some water, so I'm, like, ready to go. You look so great. I'm so happy to see you in, in kind of real life. I haven't yeah. seen you in such a long time. Yeah, and again, too long telling everyone, so just, just everyone, a couple of housekeeping things. If, if we get cut off for any reason, we will be back. We're here 7.30 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. We will be back. I know sometimes, haven't had it happen in a long time, but sometimes the internet gets kind of wonky. So again, thank you so much for joining me, Carolyn. And I'm not going to share any of your thunder because I love, <laughs> of course, you know, I mean, I, I'm going to share a lot about um, how, how, you know, you've helped me, but I want to first start off with, with your story and summarizing your journey and telling us a little bit about what you do. So go ahead, the floor is yours. 
Thanks, Taryn. It's really great to see you and to be with you. Um, so my story, uh, where does it start? <laughs> so um, for, I guess, the past close to 40 years, I worked as a professional photographer, specializing in food and advertising and liquor. So uh, interesting career. <laughs> um, in 2006, I was diagnosed with ovarian and endometrial cancers. I was incredibly fortunate. I was diagnosed at a very early stage. Uh, was able to make a total recovery. You know, I joke around that I had cancer for two weeks, um, <laughs> particularly with an ovarian cancer diagnosis. That's very uncommon and very rare. Um, I think the diagnosis, an early diagnosis, was due to the fact that I was very proactive in my healthcare, um, in screening because of my family history. I think that's a really important aspect of this. So, you know, every year I went for, um, you know, a clinical breast exam, pelvic exam, everything. So my doctor knew my family history and we, we were able mm -hmm. to really follow me um, throughout the years and be able to diagnose my, me really early. But, you know, I think as you know, you're never really the same after a diagnosis mm -hmm. of cancer, even if that cancer was only a two week cancer. <laughs> um, and I felt this really deep sense of change within me. And I felt compelled to want to do something mm -hmm. to help others. Um, but what was I, you know, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. I took pictures of English muffins for a living. What, <laughs> how could I possibly do anything to um, have an impact with cancer patients or cancer survivors? Um, and then one day, I just probably two years after my diagnosis, I got a random email from British Airways. And it was a contest that offered 10 free business class flights anywhere in the world. You had to write three essays talking about what you would use those flights for. Kind of, you know, came to me in this moment of like, aha. Mm -hmm. And um, and I just, you know, just wrote from my heart about how I wanted to use these trips to document that the battle against cancer was universal. That regardless of where you live, the color of your skin, what God you believe in it, it doesn't mm -hmm. really matter. Cancer doesn't see any of it. So I hit that, that send button, forgot about it for a few months, and then... Uh, came into my office one morning to find out that I had won. And then I had the terrifying thought that now I actually had to do something about that. <laughs> so professionally challenging. Right? Yeah, it was like, oh my God, people, they talk back, <laughs> they do things. It's not like cheating some food, you know? So um, yeah, so I spent between March 2010 and March 2011, uh, I logged like 120,000 air miles going to 14 countries, interviewing patients, care partners, healthcare providers, trying to give mm -hmm. this global face to cancer. And one of the things that I saw was that there was really hardly anyone doing any work in uh, education and support for cancer patients and their families. And so I founded a nonprofit organization called Global Focus on Cancer um, in hopes to address those, those issues mm -hmm. and those needs. So, I mean, what I it, it just like you said, you you got that email and it was saying yeah. you won. And you're like, oh, sorry, the wind just slammed my door shut. Um, <laughs> that you got this email and you're like, you won. Yeah. You know. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who think to themselves, like, I'm going to apply for this. It's right. Like, one, it's never going to happen, and, and then and then you're like, oh my gosh, now I got it and now I won. You know, what did that kind of thought look like? You know, maybe some advice for people who, one, maybe want to take that risk, right? Like maybe they yeah. 
thing in their ear. Yeah, you never know. You know, yeah. you just never know, right? So for some reason, it resonated with those people. Um, mm -hmm. I wrote from my heart. You know, I read it to my husband. I didn't even keep a copy of it, right? I just did it right in the application. They, I, I had to ask them to send it back to me <laughs> after I wanted to be like, what did I write? Right. Um, but I read it to my husband. He said, just send it. So I think if you go with your gut and you go with your heart, um, there's no reason not to try, right? Because um, that can you can be rewarded for that as long as you feel like it's right. Was that your gut and your heart too that just told you to do yeah. it? Yeah. It was like, oh, this is it. This is what mm -hmm. this is supposed to happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I kind of then put it out of my head, right? Thinking, okay, I'm hitting the send button. I don't know how many people are. This is just a random British Airways email. If you've flown on British Airways, you're getting this email. So, yeah. um, so yeah. what did that what did that teach you? What kind of lessons did it teach Carolyn? Like, you know, that you can do it, that there's there's need for this. I mean, I think that clearly now, you know. Um, for sure what I yeah for it. I, I think even with you know a minimal mm -hmm. experience with cancer I mean it's plenty I had a pretty major surgery yeah. you have a lot of repercussions after that you deal with and ongoing things um but I think if you can for me it was taking this this negative and turning it into mm -hmm. a positive, mm -hmm. you know, like looking at what can I learn out of this? What, what, knowing I was so lucky, what can I learn? What can I give back? How can you turn this negative thing into a positive was mm -hmm. really important for me. And I think it's, you know, that can be a very helpful thing for so many people. It's just negative, 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 but like, how do you look at the other side of it? How do you turn that negative into something that can be impactful? and be beneficial in your life and in other people's lives. And we've been able to do that with a nonprofit, you know, over the past 10 years now that it's been going on. So. Yeah. Would you want to share us a little bit about the, the whole organization? Cause it, cause it's wonderful. And one of my questions too was, and I didn't that text this to you, but I was just thinking about it as you know, of course you won the flights to anywhere in the world. And then after your flights were over, you know, you could have said to yourself, okay, I, I did the world. Done. Right? <laughs> Right. But you kept on going globally. And so I want to I, I didn't say that. I, I just thought about it just now that what yeah. gave you that. Right. Because you could have said, you know what? OK, I'm back. I'm back in the States. I'm done. This is it. I'm just going to do this in the States. But when you found such need, you know, elsewhere, which which, you know, you've had I've had the privilege to learn about, you know, what made you keep going, you know, internationally? So I think if you saw what I saw, mm -hmm. which I wish I could be sharing photos right yeah. now. So what I learned was have, that I'm around you, you totally can. Oh, no, I don't. But so, <laughs> so what, um, what I learned was that in most of the developing world and low resource settings, 70 to 80% of cancer patients are diagnosed in late stages of the disease. Um, it's financially catastrophic for them. Um, they will die within three to five years of their diagnosis, 90% of people. Um, I saw two and three patients sharing one bed, patients with no, not having any information. You know, caregivers have to come with their family members to take care of the patients, um, feed them, care for them, the challenges. And, and then this 
the real challenges of not having health literacy about their disease or mm-hmm. able to understand their disease and the treatment process. We take it so for granted in the United States that we're going to be led through this process, right? And we're not. We still have to do a lot of self-advocacy work. Mm-hmm. But when you're in a country where, you know, people just have no idea, they hear the word cancer, they think, you know, it's a death sentence, number one. There's no treatment. I'm going to lose, we're going to lose everything. We're going to lose our house. We're going to lose mm-hmm. anything we have. Um, I don't think you can see that talk to people. I don't know. For me, I couldn't, I couldn't not try to help. It was, you know, just, it was too much. Like you can't. And my husband agreed with me. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. how do you, you can't just go back to normal life after seeing what you saw. Yeah. You know, I think that's part of it, right? It's just like you said, you, you know better and now you have to do something about it. You know, and I, but I, I still commend your courage of, you know, taking that and, and making it into something. I mean, I, I do think, you know, once you see a lot of what you saw, and I've only seen like not even two seconds of it, because um, according, you know, as as much as you have, but I just think once it's applauded to see once you saw something, you took action, and you didn't just take action in a small way; you took action in a big way. So I think part of it for me was that I had this really intense survivor guilt, which I still have. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was diagnosed so early because I only had to have surgery mm-hmm. because sometimes you just feel like, well, I really, you know, I really didn't have cancer, you know? Um, so I think a lot of it was trying to ease my conscience mm-hmm. <laughs> too about the fact that I escaped it so easily. And um, my doctors would argue that uh, when I say that, um, but I feel that I did, you know? Um, yeah. So I, for me, it was, you know, morally, I felt the need to really do more to give back. Like this was, you know, I often say like, if somebody told me 15 years ago now, um, mm-hmm. you're going to have cancer and it's going to be the opportunity of a lifetime for you, I would have told them they were crazy. But honestly, that's what it was for me. Mm-hmm. So I look now at at my cancer diagnosis as having been an opportunity, an opportunity to reevaluate my life, to change my life, to bring more value to my life and more purpose to my life. Nice. Well, I mean, I think, first of all, I think that anytime you're diagnosed, you know, it's, it, like you said, it hits people different ways. So, you know, whether two weeks, two years, I just think it hits everybody in a different way. And, you know, you'll all, you always have that, right? You're all, it's, it, it stays on your shoulders or your back mm-hmm. or wherever. I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm, I just celebrated my five year and I feel Yay. Like that. I'm very thankful, very grateful. Thank you. But I know it always stays with you. So whether it's like I said, yeah. years, it stays with you. And I also think that what's cool about what you did is you took your talent that you, you know, the talent, right? You knew that you could take, <laughs> you were taking them up, like you said, wine and liquor or whatever and food and now you 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 know you took that talent and your passion combined them to to now be real real examples and for those who um who know carolyn or you know go to the global focus on cancer instagram you know i think that you'll see your the your work when people see it it's not just like a picture like a like a a headshot if you will it's this, it's the heart, it's the soul. It's really sweet, thanks. You know what I mean? When you look at them, you can feel someone inside. Well, I think part of that is 
having the having had cancer when you're photographing someone who also has had cancer they feel really safe with you mm-hmm. that they know you know you get it you've been there and you're mm-hmm. um you know you're you're in it together so they feel really safe and really comfortable in in opening up to you and talking and then in having their photo taken it's just you make it a safe place for them so it was something. a really it's an amazing gift to have that that connection with people. Hearts on that one. Some hearts on that one. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about Global Focus on Cancer. Yeah, so we created or I created Global Focus on Cancer to act really as an agent of simple and effective change to help reduce the global burden of cancer. We do this through programs in education health literacy, awareness, and support. Um, We also do a lot to link clinicians to educational services. And and so we started, we've done most of our work actually is been in Vietnam. Um, Vietnam was out of all the 14 countries that I went to, they were the most open and receptive and asked for help, like help us. We wanna help our patients, but we don't know how. Um, And here I'm coming in as a photographer. So there's been a huge learning curve over the years. Um, And I've relied on incredible people to help guide and assist me in this. And um, it's the global cancer community is really tiny. There's not a lot of us that do this work, but they're incredible people um, that I've had the real honor to work with and to learn from who have guided me into how to do this work. So my mantra is always, are your good intentions the best intentions? Because you really have to understand the situation where you're working and to try to build services that are both appropriate for the resources um, and the culture. We actually published a paper yesterday on the resource and cultural adaptation of a peer-to-peer support program in Vietnam. Um, So, you know, yeah, it was great. So we actually have an NIH grant running right now for that program as well. So we received an NIH grant um, with NYU and we've been running a trial at four sites in Vietnam on peer-to-peer support using the, the adaptation model that you were supposed to come with us, but poor Taryn couldn't come with got us. Blood. She got a blood clot and couldn't come. <laughs> so um, on the first, when we did the very first training in 2017, so it's really exciting to see that come. But we, so we've started with building these building blocks of support. And so we started with clinician-led support groups in the hospital setting, really trying to bridge this knowledge gap between patient and healthcare provider and improve communications. So it, it gives an opportunity for patients to ask and their families to ask questions, to get answers, because in, the, in these settings, doctors have one to two minutes per patient. Oh, wow one to two minutes to deliver their diagnosis and tell them their treatment plan. Um, So these, these, these were monthly support groups, breast, colorectal and general cancer. So we started, you know, um, partnering with, with our Vietnamese partners. Um, So all the main oncology centers in the country now have these support groups. They meet, they were meeting monthly. I think now they've gone to weekly, which is really exciting. Um, then again, we introduced peer-to-peer support. So in the absence of professional psychosocial support, many countries, I mean, there's 23 countries in Africa that don't even have radiation therapy available, let alone supportive services. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, so patients, they come, they have no idea about their diagnosis or their treatment. So it's terrifying for them. So we're just trying to provide some education, some information to them 
trying to move forward. So I benefited from peer-to-peer support when I was diagnosed um, through Mount Sinai in New York, where Mm -hmm. I had my surgery. Um, And my doctor there actually did a lot of global work. He really inspired me quite a lot to to move forward with what I'm doing. Um, So the second thing we introduced was this adapting the peer-to-peer support program that was developed at Mount Sinai for gynecologic patients. So with the team at Mount Sinai, with our partners in Vietnam, we adapted and introduced Stronger Together. And we asked them to actually change the name and come up with something that's very, in Vietnamese, it's short, but in English, it's like mm-hmm. together, we can go farther and do more. But I'm like, can we just say stronger together? <laughs> so we became stronger together. Um, and it's really, this is where we're running the grant right now. So it's uh, for women's cancer, so breast and gynecologic mm-hmm. cancers. We've trained more than 250 women to act as uh, peer support mentors wow. for patients in treatment um, all throughout the country. Um, and we just, while this NIH grant's running, we just actually found out that the country has decided to adopt it and will be introduced into the healthcare system. Wow. So super exciting about, for that. Yeah, um, then, we, yeah, move, moving forward with that, we have um, we developed a video education system, both for Vietnam and for like, Colombia. We piloted, so we did assessments with patients, care partners, and healthcare providers. Um, at sites throughout Colombia and Vietnam mm-hmm. and determined what do patients want to know when they first come to the hospital? What, what is the information they need? What do they want to know? And so we created a series of videos. So we have 21 videos in Vietnam, 15 in Colombia. Wow. Um, they're delivered by healthcare providers or survivors talking about those needs. They was supposed mm-hmm. to launch, of course, March, 2020. So oh. not exactly in waiting rooms because the waiting rooms are always packed. And now oh. it's like, oh my God, they can't be in the waiting rooms. So we've been looking at different ways to disseminate mm-hmm. that information through YouTube, through social media. Um, and then we've always held um, for the past five years, I was the co-founder and co-chair of the Southeast Asia Breast Cancer Symposium. Mm-hmm. We're cancer agnostic, but we get the most buy-in from women's cancers. So um we just had last weekend actually was Indonesia was the host. It was our first virtual event and we had um, more than 1200 participants from 22 countries. Yeah. It was really exciting. We had, um, yeah, we had the endorsement of the American society of clinical oncology. We've always had the endorsement of the American society of clinical pathology. So they actually all coach, they did a, um, a session. They co-chaired. They co-chaired a session with the Indonesian team wow. too on multidisciplinary care. So we're really excited about that. Um, and next year it'll be in the Philippines. So it convenes. It's really interesting. So it's it's both um, CME and advocacy work. So mm-hmm. it provides a lot of benefit for clinicians in um, continued medical education as well as for patients. Um, and patient advocates to improve capacity for them. We really work hard to um, build advocacy skills so they can um, move forward in their work and bring more to their countries and to to help patients. Did you ever in a million years? No. Right. <laughs> right. It started off by you doing a random application about yeah. going somewhere and you know taking pictures you know what you did for your profession and then combining that i mean i just yeah i mean just hearing what you're doing and what you continue to do i think you know it, when we I, I don't even remember where or how we met i don't even remember but i know i, I do 
it was oh. a, um, oh. a psychologist in Chicago who had done some work in Vietnam and okay. I was introduced to her. Um, somebody says, congratulations. Ah, uh, Tian. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, T. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's, I, yeah, that's right. And I, I remember just thinking like, I've got to, I've got to get on to what she's doing because what you're doing and, and keep up with you because what you're doing is just, you know, it's amazing. And I think what's, what's amazing about it is that you took a, I hear this, you know, you always hear this story when talent meets passion, right? And you have this talent and you have this work that you were doing and then your passion kind of collided and now it's created an international explosion. Um, wowie. It looks like, I'm not sure if I'm saying it right, but. I don't it's a, a, yeah, it's a, my friend Alyssa. She's a food stylist okay. who I used to work with <laughs> said, when I was a photographer, which I no longer, I, I stopped working as a photographer last year. Um, you are amazing. Right? Yeah. Alyssa, uh, Allison, you said. Alyssa. Alyssa, right? That's what I think too, Alyssa. Um, so I just, yeah, I mean, I can just applaud you all day because, you know, we don't get a lot of chance to talk, but I think what you're doing is is wonderful i do want to ask and, and you kind of mentioned some of the things that you're up to but in our last um, six minutes here i got got two more quick questions what does the future hold uh the future uh, it's exciting um we actually just <laughs> signed in a memorandum of understanding with the city cancer challenge so this is uh, a, a uh, what what is City Cancer Challenge? <laughs> so it's um, comes under it came under the umbrella of the Union for International Cancer Control in Geneva. So it, the UICC is the largest uh, patient member organization for cancer in the world. Um, they started this program called City Cancer Challenge, which is its own entity now. So it looks um, to cities um, to build capacity for cancer care and services. So again, as I was saying, the American Society for Clinical Oncology is one of their implementation partners. So is pathology. Um, the International Agency for Atomic Energy is one of theirs as well. We had just came on board as their implementation partner for patient centricity. So really to bring the patient voice to everything they do, to make sure patients are represented, to make sure patients' um, services are provided. Because um, I think what patients want and prefer is quite different than what doctors want and prefer for <laughs> patients. So really trying to, so there right now there's 10 cities um, that are in that mix, but there's nine more coming online. So 19 cities in different countries that we'll be working with to help really build patient centricity and build the voice of advocacy um, and strengthen patient services. Wow. And do you, so just um, you think the virtual space has kind of opened up a lot for, for you? I do. So I think um, while it was a challenging year, because I normally spend, yeah, uh, I'm normally on the road yeah. six months out of the year. So I've yeah. been home since December of 2019. I'm not sure that my husband's that happy about it. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> and I'm home, home, because I, I gave up my studio. I'm no longer working as a photographer. Um, so in some respects, you know, it's more challenging. In some respects, it's easier. So like the this year, we had 1,250 attendees, 700 were advocates. Um, so it was a much more equitable, you know, mm -hmm. a virtual summit was much more equitable. So I think going forward, we would only do a hybrid at the minimum. Um, okay. So I think there are these real advantages to, and, and looking at it, things coming out of COVID have been really interesting. So Vietnam's mm -hmm. looking to decentralize chemotherapy and the, what they've been, were doing was everyone had to go to the main oncology center, one of the main sites 
there's not that many of them leave their homes for months at a time for care. But because of COVID, they're decentralizing chemotherapy. So they're building capacity at the um, the provincial mm -hmm. level. So patients don't have to travel so far for care. So patients have a more timely care, more appropriate, you know, easier for their families, for them to navigate and negotiate. So I think there's a lot of really exciting things that can come out of this lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the virtual space has opened up a lot, right? Yeah, like, for sure. Of, it gave us some some challenges, but it, it actually gave us some things that, like you said, you know, now it, it gave us some things where we can open up. And you know, I mean, twelve hundred people—that's a—that's that's a lot. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. And, and virtually, that's that's great. Um, TK Claire says so inspiring, and and thanks us both. So thank you, TK Claire. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. And so the last question is always, it's, it's kind of a surprise question, but if you've listened yeah. to episodes, you might know it. Um, and that is, so for those listening, I am rescuing cats in my backyard. This has nothing. Oh, question, question. Let's get to the question. Uh, do you see that question? How have you yeah. been able to maintain connection and support with areas of the world that may not be advanced te um, technologically or structurally? Um, so everybody's connected, you know, it's pretty amazing. You can be out in the middle of nowhere and somebody has got a, even a, like a flip phone and mm -hmm. can get some sort of information. So I think, um, because we work programmatically and not in, you know, we really try to build programs within a system that, so it's just, the work is sustainable, appropriate and sustainable. So pretty much we're working a lot with doctors and then advocates and the people we work with have been, um, Pretty. you know, the, everybody has access to technology. I, I think in some ways, particularly Southeast Asia is way more tech savvy than, um, than the United States. Mm -hmm. I have way better cell service when I'm like in Cambodia than I do in New York sometimes, you know. Oh. Mm -hmm. Go figure. So I, I think it's really, it's not too much of an issue, thankfully. <laughs> That's a good question. Cause I, cause I, I, you know, I would think too, I would, I would think, that there might be some some challenges there but that's good to know it's much cheaper to like um data is so much cheaper in other countries okay so mm -hmm. and accessible so anyway, the, the one question rescue to do with cancer or anything like that i just i everybody who knows me knows i'm doing this whole cat rescue situation that's a whole nother instagram live but i always think about my little cat maxi and you know they say curiosity you know and the cat so anything, anything, it could be about business, your business, it could be about global focus on cancer, it could be about just Carolyn. What are you curious about? Oh God. Surprise question. I mean, I think if you're not curious about everything, it's uh, a problem. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think the day I'm not curious is probably the day I just give up but I think mm -hmm. there's just uh, right now I'm really curious to see how we can um, actually build this technology around mm -hmm. providing services that are much more tailored to patients how do we get that to them how do we do that how why aren't we doing it you know why isn't the patient voice at at the top of the list why mm -hmm. isn't it driving everything that we do yeah so we think those things are um I'm really curious why that doesn't happen, yeah, yeah. why the establishment is so um, 
anti the patient mm-hmm. voice leading the way. So, um, you know, why do they fight it so much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think about that a lot, too. I agree just from a patient perspective, um, from just mm-hmm. a life perspective, to your point, uh, you know, about advocating. And, and I, I, I'm always curious about, like, I think about myself, like, later in life, like, you know, who's advocating for me, right? Like, I, I need right. to know if there's a Carolyn in my future, you know, like when I'm not able to advocate for myself, hopefully God willing, yeah. you're not able to have, you know, if I'm not able to advocate for myself, you know, I, I want to know that there's a Carolyn in my future advocating for me and someone by my side. I mean, with the different things that I have, I, I don't think they're going away. So no, to play your point, the voice of the patient kind of needs to be, you know, that, that priority. So we are at 8.01, and I try to make sure I respect your time and the times of those. So I just want to, again, thank everyone for joining us today. This episode is going to be available on my, my channel. It will be on the IGTV. It's also going to be on my YouTube channel. Uh, Carolyn will have access to it as well. It's going to be on the Apple podcast here in a few days. So she's going to have that episode as well. And we are here every Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you have a story, I would love to have you on the show. If you know someone who has a story, I'd love to have them on the show. Carolyn and and all of our guests have been so gracious. This is all by word of mouth. This is all volunteer. And it's all about positive vibes and sharing stories and just getting some some love in this world that that we need so much. And people like Carolyn are literally spreading love globally and i think that's amazing i wouldn't have gotten a chance to do some of the things that i've gotten to do if it wasn't for you and so i personally want to thank you like i said i I feel like everybody we we, none of us talk as much as we we should or could but um, i always like to take this opportunity to thank you for you know what you've poured into me because in the short amount of time that we did get a chance to spend in live such in live together you know (laughs) you've poured into me some knowledge that I wouldn't have had without you. And here with you. I, I, I did, um, you know, make good on my, on my, on my trip to Vietnam. I did go, I didn't get to go just at the same time, but you know, I learned a lot while there as well, meeting some people that, that you introduced me to and just, just learning. Um, and so I'm thankful to be able to travel there and learn about. I know. I think Vaughn, I think Vaughn was on before. Oh Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I think it, somebody that you know was on before from wow. Vietnam. I saw her in. So. Wow. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to uh, give you a call after this just to, you know, touch base. But again, everybody, we're back here each Tuesday, 7.30 p.m. Carolyn, thank you so much for your time thank and you. your talent. Thanks everybody, be good to yourself and each other. Bye-bye. Bye.